how much has it actually warmed on planet Earth? How much has the sea level risen? Are islands in the Pacific sinking? How about the Arctic sea ice? We're told that it's melting at an incredible pace. What about all these things? This is the Earth Day edition, part two of the Brian Sussman Show, Faith, Family, Freedom. Thanks for joining me, everyone. I'm Brian Sussman. As I mentioned in the first episode, which is episode number 137, this is 138, both released on Earth Day, April 22nd, 2022. As I mentioned in the first episode, April 22nd, hmm, interesting date for Earth Day, which was established in 1970. April 22, 1970, the 100th anniversary of the birth of Vladimir Lenin. Vladimir Lenin was the first dictator of Russia. He was a disciple of Karl Marx. He was the first disciple of Marx to gain control of a country. And he was as green as green could be. Oh, trust me when I tell you, Vladimir Lenin proves that the green movement actually has roots that are very, very red. So, in 2010, I came out with a book called Climate Gate. In 2012, a book called Eco Tyranny. I'm reading excerpts from these books because the information that is shared still holds to this day. Let's begin by, and I hope you'll get a chance to listen to episode 137. Let's begin now with some myths. Myths. Uh, let's talk about the temperature for starters. We're told that it's warming like nobody's business. Uh, let's go to the record. There is clearly a deficiency in the way temperatures are currently being collected. I talk about that at length in the book Ecotarity, as well as Climategate. The temperature record has been altered. We have some very wonderful, very old and uncompromised temperature recording stations in the United States. And when you look at that record, it shows that the warmest decade on record was in the 1930s. And since then, there has actually been a very slight cooling. Most of the temperature thermometers that are recording throughout the world were put in place since the 80s. There was a real effort in the 1980s to begin putting in new sites, replacing old temperature locations with new. Uh, some of them are in very odd conditions, like on the tarmac of airports, <laughs> on top of build on top of roofs and buildings in the middle of downtowns. They're pretty stupid. Others in the temperature record, interestingly, have been dismissed, like records from the Andes mountain chain, records from Siberia, records from very cold locations of Canada. Those records have actually been dismissed altogether. What's interesting is that satellite data is incredibly, incredibly accurate, and it covers the entire globe. So instead of just a, a piecemeal thermometer here, thermometer there, with the satellite record, you can get to the entire globe, the Earth's surface temperatures everywhere. But for those who are doing the, uh, the propagandizing, those who are doing the writing the headlines, those who are creating the record of note, 
Uh, they don't want the satellite data. They want individual thermometers, which are, again, very easy to compromise. But even considering the bias in recent years, the Earth's climate has only warmed, I'm being very honest with you, 0.7 degrees Celsius since 1850. 1850, of course, when we came out of the Little Ice Age. Most of that warming occurred before 1940. Again, the 1930s, the hottest, the hottest decade on record. For 50 of the states, 22 of the states here in the United States, 22 of those states had their all-time record highs in the 1930s. But the global warmers don't really want you to observe the hard data. Instead, they demand you look at something else, like their headlines. During the 17 decades since 1850, let's think about this. The human, human population has increased from 1.1 billion. That's what it was in 1850 when we came out of the Little Ice Age. And interestingly, when the Industrial Revolution began, 1.1 billion to eh, about 8 billion now. We've gone from no gas-powered vehicles to billions. We've seen trains and planes and natural gas to heat homes and coal to create electricity, all of which emit carbon dioxide. You see, what the environmentalists will tell you is that you are the problem because you demand fossil fuels for your lifestyle and you are polluting the atmosphere. Even though, as I've told you before in episode 137, of all the gases in the atmosphere, carbon dioxide is, is really minute. Of all the gases in the Earth's atmosphere, carbon dioxide makes up 0.38%. 0.38%. And of that, only 3% is created by the activities of humankind. Now, keep in mind, carbon dioxide is necessary for life. We cannot survive without it. And by the way, the more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, well, plant life thrives with more carbon dioxide. There have been some wonderful studies done illustrating how greenhouses, when you pump up the amount of carbon dioxide in a greenhouse, the plants just grow faster and bigger and better. So carbon dioxide is, is our friend. It's, it's not a foe. Now, for the sake of time on this Earth Day edition, part two, episode 138 of the Brian Sussman Show, let's quickly examine some of the popular icons that supposedly prove there is global warming. Sea level rise sea level rise. It's a fact that ever since the end of the last ice age, I mean the big ice age from thousands of years ago, not the little ice age, the big ice age, global sea level has been gradually increasing. The melting ice and snow that bitterly of that bitterly cold event is continually tricking into our great oceans and seas to this day. Over the past 20,000 years, according to the IPCC, that's the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, 
According to the IPCC, over the past 20,000 years, sea level has increased nearly 400 feet. That may sound like a lot, but it equals a rise of merely 1.8 millimeters per year. So if you were to place your thumb as close to your forefinger as possible without those touching, that's about how much the sea has been rising each year for, for hundreds of years. It's, it's hardly frightening. It's what you would expect coming out of an ice age. Sea level rise is nothing to be concerned about. It's, it's immeasurable. No one's going to notice it. In fact, in certain parts of the world, it seems as if the sea level is actually decreasing. Let's continue. Sinking Pacific Islands. You've been hearing about this for years. Al Gore and the Greenies have been telling us that the South Asia island chain, the Maldives and, the, and Tuvalu, halfway between Hawaii and Australia, are sinking. It's just not true. The Maldives are, are relatively flat atolls. They're composed of coral. Since 1972, tourism has become the central focus of the Maldivian economy. With the number of resorts zooming from 1 to 88 today, actually it's probably more like 100 today, 88 when I wrote the book, <laughs> jammed atop three islands, the North and South Mali Atolls and Eri Atoll, that they're building on coral. They're digging coral. They're building atop coral. Coral rock has been the main aggregate for constructing these resorts. And the mining has severely compromised these atolls, creating the impression that the islands seem to be sinking. They're not. This, 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 this delicate, the coral, is, it's, not, it's not meant for resorts with, with structures that are very tall and very heavy. It's not sinking. Now let's naturally take our discussion to melting Arctic sea ice. So we've talked about sea level rise. We've talked about sinking Pacific Islands. How about the Arctic sea ice melting? I mean, my gosh, we constantly see the sea ice melting. And then we're told that polar bears do not have a place to habitate. And they're drowning. It's, none of it's true. By the way, a polar bear, we have more polar bears than ever. We have an abundance of polar bears right now. And by the way, for polar bears who do slip off an ice shelf, they can swim, I believe it's up to 100 miles a day or more. They're incredible swimmers. They're big, big animals. But sea ice has only been significantly, or I should say scientifically, monitored since the introduction of satellite technology in 1979. So when you hear reports of the least amount of ice in history, that history they speak of is just stretching back to 1979. It's, it's not like all of history. It's all of history since 1979. They never tell you that. But the truth is, naval records illustrate that in the 1950s, there were periods when the waters near the North Pole were virtually ice-free. In a comment originally posted by the late global warming blogger John Daly, a former submariner stationed aboard the USS Skate said that in 1959, quote, 
The skate found open water in both the summer and following winter. This is on the North Pole. Continuing, we surfaced near the North Pole in the winter through thin ice less than two feet thick. So this is a global warming blogger who happens to be very honest, saying that in 1959, there was hardly any ice at the North Pole. Certainly in 1959, no one was talking about global warming. In fact, the Earth was experiencing a cooling phase in 1959. (laughs) It's more likely that the rapid declines in Arctic ice have to do with altered ocean currents and wind patterns if there's any decline at all. But I will tell you, in my book, Climategate, I actually take a photograph of, I have a photograph of the USS Skate in 1959. It's at the North Pole. And where it's located in that region, you can't see ice anywhere. So again, Arctic ice, it seems to expand. It seems to recede just like ice in Antarctica. Expands proceeds. And as long as we're talking about ice, let's talk about Kilimanjaro, 19,340 feet, Africa's tallest mountain. It's being used as a grand sham by environmentalists eager to play the junk science card. Uh, Yes, overall, the glacier atop Kilimanjaro has been receding off and on. What's just amazing, what's just amazing is the decline in Kilimanjaro's ice has been going on for more than a century. And most of the loss of Kilimanjaro's ice occurred before 1953. Now, something else to note, I think this is super, super important. 19,000 foot tall mountain, the temperature atop Kilimanjaro is rarely above zero Fahrenheit. Rarely. Most of the time, it's minus three degrees Fahrenheit or colder. So warm air, warm air cannot be responsible for any melting atop Kilimanjaro. Something else we're told, there are more hurricanes. There are not. Hurricanes are no laughing matter, biggest storm on earth. In fact, on average, close to seven hurricanes strike the United States every four years. That's about 1.8 per year. When they strike, they can be incredibly deadly. Can I tell you something? The Earth's atmosphere needs hurricanes as a source of... They, they happen not just, not just around the United States. They happen anywhere where there is water in tropical regions, ocean water. They are heat transports. They they help keep the temperature at the Earth's surface regulated by sending very, very warm air up into this from the surface up into the upper atmosphere where it spreads out. Hurricanes, I mean, in terms of design, these are a part of a divine design. Hurricanes are a necessary function of the Earth's atmosphere. But I want to get back to carbon dioxide for just one more moment. It's important to realize that like water, all the carbon dioxide that will ever be is present now. We're not creating more carbon dioxide through the use of fossil fuels. 
there's a carbon cycle. So when a major volcano erupts on the Pacific Rim, when a lightning-induced forest fire rages in the Rockies, or an Indonesian peat bog eternally smolders, huge amounts, more than, more than we could ever create in our largest cities, huge amounts of long-stored CO2 are naturally released into the atmosphere. The carbon dioxide banked in weathered rocks and decaying coral and decomposing plants is also constantly meandering through this gigantic cycle. It's no different with the carbon cached in fossil fuels. Upon consumption, it's released into the atmosphere, where it's temporarily held and finally absorbed by a variety of repositories or sinks. Sinks. I know Al Gore and others love to use carbon dioxide in this game of sleight of hand, but the fact of the matter is carbon dioxide is part of a cycle necessary for life. All of these factoids confirm that we are witnessing a generation being filled with a green religion, a faux spirituality that is as dogmatic and potentially dangerous as any on the planet. So when an undiscerning individual hears teachers and even church leaders, scientists, political representatives, and peers uttering ominous predictions about the state of the earth, is it any wonder that some people go off the rails and make really bad choices based on the alarming rhetoric they've been force-fed? I mean, some of you listening to this program have heard nothing about global warming is real, climate change is real, since you were in kindergarten. For example, I'm sure thousands who have heard the green gospel have decided their best sacrifice to Mother Earth is to spend money they don't have to purchase, for example, a, a hybrid vehicle, or you've got to buy a Tesla. Making the decision seems all the easier when a federal or state rebate is offered for making the decision to worship at the green altar. And then for others, the calling is to go vegan. It's, it's for the sake of the earth. Farm animals and livestock create loads of greenhouse gases. And for the exceptionally devout, the real show of ded dedication is, well, you want to fight global warming, have an abortion. It's just one less person on planet earth. I conducted some man-on-the-street interviews on Earth Day in a far-left center of California known as Santa Cruz. In fact, I believe these, these videos may still be on YouTube. Most of my stuff on YouTube got taken off, but I think these videos are still there. Might be called Earth Day Idiots. Well, anyway, I, I digress. I, did, I conducted these man-on-the-streets and had a spokesman for a population control organization inform me, smaller families live better. You just don't get it. <laughs> and besides those who believe taking the unborn is just for the sake of the environment, there are still others who have gone even farther. For example, in 2010, James J. Lee executed a dangerous hostage plot inside the headquarters of the Discovery Channel. He was armed with what appeared to be pipe bombs and a cheap pistol. 
and Lee claimed to have been awakened by Al Gore's film Inconvenient Truth. And he regarded humans as the most destructive, filthy, pollutive creatures around. His desire was to force the Discovery Channel to fill its programming schedule with solutions to save the planet. Well, before he was able to harm innocent life, he was shot and killed by police. But it was an eco freakout. He went off the deep end because of all the rhetoric that had been spewed into his ears over the years. Friends, we have a lot of work to do, don't we? We need to get the word out that this is a scam. We need to keep our head on the swivel and be aware of the scams around us. And, and we need to make sure we vote into office men and women of integrity who have been able to think for themselves about these issues as opposed to believe what they've been told. Get them into office where prayerfully they'll be able to make policy changes that are good for America and right this ship before it's too late. This is the Brian Sussman Show podcast. Thank you for joining me, my friends. More on me at briansussman.com. I appreciate your listenership. God bless you, my friends.